Well, as I said this morning at the very beginning, we are celebrating today the Feast of Pentecost, if you will. This is the day of Pentecost. And um, as I was trying to uh, trying to think through this week what the Lord would have me to say, and literally I, my, my prayer was, God, what do you want me to say to your people? This is not just Bob sucking going, well, what's, what's on the calendar for this week? What's on the agenda? But truly, my heart was, I want to speak the words of the Lord to you guys. And this is what God told me. Now, I realized about halfway through our service this morning that my Bible is sitting in my bedroom where it should be. No, it's sitting, yeah, it's in my bedroom. It's not supposed to be there right now. So I'm going to have to borrow this uh, Bible from the pew. But I'm going to be reading a number of verses of Scripture. I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 14, so if you want to open to that. Then I'll be reading out of the book of Acts, chapters 1 and 2. Then we're going to go to Corinthians and then Galatians. So we're going to do a little bit of hopping around this morning. But I want to read some Scripture before I actually start talking. So John chapter 14. And just to get ourselves situated in the... the um, where we are in this gospel. John chapter 14 follows him, is the very first bit right after um, the, uh, the Last Supper. Jesus has done his Last Supper, and now he's talking to his disciples and getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're going to be reading verses 15 through 17, and then 25 and 26 of chapter 14. So 15 through 17 says... If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then verses 25 and 26 say... All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And there's more to this, and I'm tempted to just keep reading, but the reality is that our focus this morning is on the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to understand, even before, um, even before it actually happened, God made a specific promise that I would not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you alone. I will be with you. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. Now it's time for me to ascend to heaven and go sit by the right hand of my Father. Bye! What? From the human perspective, that makes no sense. But if you go to the teaching in John that Jesus had given to his disciples before the scene of the ascension, he said, in the last moments of his life, in the last hours with his disciples, the most intimate conversations he had with them, just before his arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion and his death, he said to them, I am going back to the Father, but I am not going to leave you without comfort. I am going to give you some translations will say an advocate, some will say a comforter, some will say a helper. But the point is, Jesus made, 
provision so that we would always have the presence of God with us. Now, I find it ironic in my own life. I have no problem worshiping God the Father. When I worship the Father, I imagine in my brain the throne room of heaven, and I see the throne and the crystal sea that we're talked about in, in uh, Revelation chapter 4, and I see the 24 elders who are seated on their smaller thrones, and I see the bowls that are filled with the prayers that is an incense to God, and I see the rainbow of color over the, uh, the, the, the thing. I can't see the face. But I can see God the Father seated on the throne. And when I think and worship about Jesus, when I worship Jesus, sometimes I picture him as the Paschal Lamb. The one in Romans, I mean Revelation chapter 5, where he is the Lamb that is wounded, the Lamb that was slain, but was found worthy to open the scrolls. That's to me one of the most powerful images of Jesus. There's also the image of, Roman, of Revelation chapter 1, where Jesus appears to the, God, to, the, to the writer John as one in wearing a, a, a white robe with a golden sash, and he's got a blazing face and a voice of many thunders, it says. And so there's this image of power and might of Jesus, and there's the image of the slain uh, 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 lamb. There's also just the image of Jesus walking around on the earth as the shepherd. And I have no problem at all in my humanness being able to picture and worship Jesus. But I'm told my, by my theology that God represents himself to us as three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I have a hard time when it comes to trying to worship the Holy Spirit. When you pray, most of the time, do you not use the words Father, Lord, and Jesus? Any other words? Regularly? Do you say Holy Ghost when you pray? Okay, that's because you're Catholic. <laughs> huh? Do you worship the Holy Spirit? You worship, I worship you, O Holy Spirit. Well, I say the three. Okay, say what do you what do you say? Tell us. My Heavenly Father. Uh huh. Jesus, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you actually use the name when you when you, how do you visualize that? What do you what do you imagine? A triangle. Okay. Cool. Cool. Anybody else? Joyce? I I pray to the Holy Spirit and I don't visualize him so much, but I always I just thank him for his presence around me. Okay. Aware being aware of his presence then. Okay. Or within him. Or within. Evelyn? Um, I invite him into my day, Holy Spirit, because that's who leads me. So in the mornings, um, I invite him And he specifically invites yes. the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because he who he's my my mind says he's the one who leads me um, per the Father or the Lord Jesus' orders, if you will. And so I, I do. I, and I just frankly I, I do it and I just realize that that's what I do. I do it like him. Maggie? You see, when I was being interviewed 
to be a, an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene. I mean, literally, it was the very last interview before I got the omni, omni, you're going to be a minister. Okay? It was the very last interview. And they asked me to talk about what the Holy Spirit does for us as Christians. And the, the correct theological phrasing is, he cleanses us from all sin, not just from committed sins, but from the actual nature of sin, the desire to sin. He also empowers us for service. And I got so focused on the power part, I totally forgot about the cleansing part. And at the end of the interview, one of the pastors said to me, it's a great half of the story, Bob, but you forgot completely about cleansing. And I was like, they're not going to ordain me now. Now, I know this stuff. I've studied it. I've experienced it for myself. But when I articulated it, I focused mainly on the power. And I think a lot of us focus on the power and not the cleansing. And the reality is, the Holy Spirit does more than just empower us for service. The Holy Spirit cleanses us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit guides us. Let me, let me read some of these verses that I have for you, and then we'll talk a little bit more. Acts chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is the tail end of uh, Jesus' time on the earth. He's, it, and it's written from the perspective of Luke. So Luke is writing this book called Acts. But in the very first verse of Acts chapter 1, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, and what he's talking about is the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Because Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and he was writing to somebody named Theophilus. Now, scholars don't know if this is a real person or just someone who, loved, who is a lover of God. Okay, because Theophilus, that's what it means, lover of God. So, but anyway, he writes, In my former book, O lover of God, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, and he appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So see, that's where we get this term in our own theology, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself used the phrase. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way. You have seen him go into heaven. And now skipping over to the first four verses of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I've shared this story with you before, but back when I was a brand new Christian, I was in my at the age of 16 when I got saved, so it was either 17 or 18, maybe late 16. I was in a prayer meeting at a church in California on a Wednesday night, and the Holy Spirit of God had just come in in a powerful and mighty way. And, and it was, like I said earlier in my prayer, about the Shekinah glory coming in and just pretty much stopping everything. God's presence was thick that night. It was amazing and powerful. The worship was going on. And all of a sudden we started hearing sirens. And the sirens, instead of passing, stopped right in front of our building. And then all of a sudden, about four or five firefighters in full gear came running into the sanctuary and stopped and went, and then the pastor went over to see them and left. And when they left, and then the pastor came back in the sanctuary and he was stoked. He was like, you won't believe this. Somebody saw flames coming out of the roof of the church and they called 911. And we were like, glory to God. The presence of God is manifesting itself in flame again. Yeah. Because you see, it's what we want. We want glory and power and Miracles and signs and wonders and God moving in miraculous and hard, wonderful ways. But that's not what we get. We just plant our seeds and we water them and then we watch them not grow. And then we water some more and we make sure that there's the right amount of light and we just stand there and, wait. and then maybe there's a little bit of growth and eventually, ooh, it starts to grow and then we get some fruit and yay, and then the plant dies as it normally will and then we have to cultivate the ground and then the next season we pour. You see, I venture that Mary has yet to ever be able to stand over her garden in April and say, by the power of the name of Jesus, I command you plants to rise! Hey, you can do anything in the name of Jesus, right? Power of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, I'm serious. We don't see God normally change the laws of nature. Normally. He can. He does. But not normal. Not usual. So, what is this power that we're supposed to have? From the Holy Spirit. Because we do cleansing. I mean, I, I expand, I don't want to focus on that this morning. We're going to focus on the power part of it this morning. What is this when Jesus said, You shall receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you? Well, there are some, and I'm not making fun, there are some who say you will have a physical manifestation of the presence of God in your life by the way that your lips move. It's called glossolalia. It's called speaking in tongues. And there are some who say that if you do not speak in tongues, you do not have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit manifests itself with every human being that comes in contact with the Holy Spirit through the manifestation of the speaking in tongues. But I can show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and I'm not going to take the time to read it this morning, but I can show you where Paul specifically says, Desire prophecy more than tongues. 
Now, he doesn't put down tongues in any way, shape, or form. Tongues is a, a bonafide, real gift of the Spirit, used of God. We saw right here in the book of Acts, as we read this morning, that God used the gift of tongues, of glossolalia, to win 3,000 people to the kingdom. But when, when a church that was struggling, a church that had its theology messed up, was given instructions, Corinthians, the words of their pastor to them were, desire the greater gifts. Desire to speak truth into people's lives. Prophecy. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Desire the unity of the Spirit to bring about a manifestation of the move of God so that people see and are drawn how can you love someone who hurt you so bad because God enabled me to? The Spirit of God enabled me. That's power. You see, and again, I, I remember distinctly, I was in a church when I was like 18 years old and I had been at the altar weeping and weeping, literally just tears pouring down. And I was done with my time of prayer and I was done with the catharsis and I was blowing my nose and I was just sitting there talking with the person who had come up to pray with me and I looked down on the altar and there were three tears that had dripped from my face in the form of a triangle. Oh, that's God giving me a sign that he heard me. And the person very wisely and lovingly said to me, I can tell that who you are as a human being is that you want to see God present. And I'm not saying that that isn't God, but I am saying be careful. Because sometimes we try to make something what it isn't. Amen. Now, this is my own experience. This isn't somebody else's story. This is what happened to me. I can tell you something else that happened to me. When I was in high school, I was a Christian. I had been a Christian about a year, give or take. And we had a, a Campus Life Youth for Christ organization that was holding meetings in the homes of people from our youth group there on the campus. Now, it was all because of the law. You had to have students who promoted it and invited their friends to these meetings that was held at somebody's house. But the leaders were, uh, were, were adults who were Christians who were trying to disciple us. Well, I was part of this Campus Life Youth for Christ thing, and... and um, I was one of the leaders of the group, and, and there was this young woman who was part of our uh, crew of kids on campus. They, she wasn't a Christian, and um, I don't remember exactly what happened, how it happened, but we were at this party one night, and it wasn't a Christian party, it wasn't a campus life thing, it was just a party the kids were having, and I was there, and there's this one kid named Gary Birdsell, and Gary, well, I shouldn't use his name because it's being recorded, he's probably dead, it's okay. Um <laughs> If you aren't dead, you can call me. Anyway, um, Gary was showing people that he knew how to hypnotize. And he was playing around with it. Well, then we all started playing around with it. Well, there's this one girl there who I found out later who had been involved with witchcraft. And she had been sexually molested. And she had a lot of darkness in her life. And she asked me to hypnotize her. I was like, okay. And her name was April. I don't remember the last name, so it's safe, because I'm recording this. But her name was April. And I could literally look at her. It didn't matter if I was right face-to-face -face with her, or if she was across the room. I could say, April, sleep. And she would go into a hypnotic trance. 
Literally. Now, it happened multiple times at multiple locations and even against her will. Okay? And what I mean by that is this. I, would be si- I was sitting at school one day and we were all gathered around for lunch and somebody said, do it again, Bob, do it again. I said, she's like, no, I don't want to. And I said, April, sleep. And she, and then I gave her some suggestions and she did them. And I literally felt a power welling up from within me. And it was intoxicating. Oh, I've got power. I can put her under. I've got power. I can put her under. And literally, it was this, she had no will to say no. And I had this power that I could use. And then that night, same day, that night, the Campus Life thing was supposed to be held at my house. And the Campus Life leader called me and said, late, I'm sorry, something's come up, I can't make it. I was like, I've already called, I've got over 25 people committed to be there. He said, well, I'm sorry, I can't do anything. He said, well, he could, here's, this is the lesson I was going to teach, do you mind doing it? I said, okay. And so, literally, God called me forth to be the pastor of this group for that one night. And we had this powerful time with the Holy Spirit present. And at the end of that session, with the Holy Spirit moving in a powerful way, April gave her heart to the Lord, as well as four or five other people. And then we got convicted, April and I did, and all of us actually, of the, who were there, of what we were doing, because we were dabbling in darkness. We were children of the light that were dancing in the shadows. And it was bad. And we prayed and asked God, first of all, to forgive us, and second of all, to never let it happen again. And I prayed specifically, God, take this power away. Do not let it ever manifest in me again. The next day at school, April and I were at lunch, and she said to me, try to hypnotize me. I was like, no, we're not supposed to do this anymore. She said, just try. And I was like, okay. April, sleep. And there was no power in me, and she could resist it. And I believe with all of my heart that that was the Holy Spirit Because see, the Holy Spirit is never dark. And the Holy Spirit is never controlling. The Holy Spirit doesn't possess in the sense of doing things against our will. That's the enemy of our souls, trying to mock or mimic what he sees the Father doing. You see, there's also a verse in Scripture that that says, test the spirits. Chapter, uh, first, first letter of John, just before the book of Revelations. 1 John, chapter 4, and it says, let me read it to you, because I came across this also when I was a brand new Christian, going through all of that other stuff. 1 John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I was 
a young Christian, again, living in that same place, going to that same school. It was probably around the same time frame. I don't remember exactly. I had just read this that morning in my private devotions. After school, I come home, and my mom and two or three friends are sitting in the kitchen eating area with a Ouija board on the table. And they're playing. And I said, that's demonic. You shouldn't do that. And my mom's, oh, it's just a game. It's just not real. I said, mom, there's, there's a demon on that board. And you shouldn't be messing with it. And she said, oh, come on. This is just a game. And I went upstairs under the leading, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. And I got my Bible. And I brought it back into the room. And I read them these verses. And I said, now call that thing up. And so my mom and her friends put their hands on the little placket thing. And they moved it around. Or it moved around. And I said... Demon, this is Bob. Are you present? And it went, yes. I said, do you have a message for me, demon? And it said, yes. I said, what is your message? And and, 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 and I said, said, no, first I said, are you from God? And it said, yes. And I said, if you're from God, the Bible says that you will acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. Are you from God? And it said, yes. I said, yes. I said, prove it. And it went, G-O-D-I-S-D-A-D. And my mom said, see, it's spelled out, God is dad. And again, the Holy Spirit giving me the, the, the wisdom said, no, that's not what it's spelling out. It's spelling out, God is dead. I said, spirit is God. Are you from God? It said, yes. I said, then prove it. Say, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And it went K-D-R. And I, again, Holy Spirit inspired this. Jesus is spelled J-E-S-U-S. Spell it. K-D-R. K-D-R is one letter off from J-E-S. And at that point, again, empowered by the Holy Spirit, I said, Spirit, you are not from God, are you? No. Then by the power of the name of Jesus, depart. And the board went dead. My mom and her friends were like, I don't ever want to touch this again. And I'm walking around going, look what I did. I, I, with all of my heart, one, one last thing about Ouija boards, I don't want to focus on Ouija boards at all, but one last thing, I was working in a toy store, and this toy store had a wall of games on the shelves, and they were done alphabetically, and I had to go back to the back of the store to the warehouse to get something, and as I'm walking down that aisle, all of a sudden it was like, something dark. You see, my, my spiritual gift is leadership and discernment of spirits. Those are the two strong leader, uh, spiritual gifts I have. And discernment of spirits, discernment of evil. I know when evil is present. I don't know how, I just know. And I walked down this aisle and it was like, oh, I walked through a wave of evil. And I looked around, I was the only one there, and I looked over, and right there was a stack of Ouija boards. And I was like, that was again, one more testimony to me as a young Christian. And I just raised my hand up and I said, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And I continued on. I need you to understand, I don't have power. I am not some glorious, fabulous 
I am empowered. Human. Dark skull, gray skull. The, the reality is, the power of the Holy Spirit through me can take authority. Because it says right here in John, uh, chapter, 1 John chapter 4, it says, Greater is he that is in you than is he that is in the world. And the thing the Holy Spirit revealed to me this morning, as I was going back over these notes and thinking about what I wanted to say to you this morning, was, Jesus is not in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on my behalf. The Holy Spirit is in me. And so the Holy Spirit is greater than any demonic force that's in the world. And because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, I can then take authority. Not because of anything I do. Not because of anything I say, but when the Holy Spirit empowers me, when the Holy Spirit guides me, when the Holy Spirit inspires me, and I speak it forth, I then become the hands and feet of Jesus, of God, on this earth. And I am used of the Holy Spirit to then bring about the kingdom of God here. And it's possible that he could do incredible, wonderful signs and miracles through me, if he chose to. If it was to suit God's purposes... I could walk across Chino Lakes. I could. If it were to further the kingdom of God. But see, we humans seek Hollywood. There was an old, old movie called, um, with John Denver and, and George Burns. It was about God. I can't remember the name of it now. But anyway, there's this one scene where John Denver says, if you're really God, why didn't you appear over my bed with lightning and bolts? He said, ah, that's Hollywood. And for me, that makes a lot of sense. We always seem to want the manifestation of God. Oh God, make yourself real and present. Well, we have the word of God that says he's always with us. Even to the end of the age, he's always with us. He'll never depart from us. Every Christian that has ever uttered the name of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. From the moment you enter into your relationship with God, the Holy Spirit enters into you and is present with you and never leaves you. Now, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Is he indeed your Lord? That's another sermon for another day. But the, the, the situation right now is, is that the Holy Spirit is present with you at this moment if you've named Christ as your Savior. You have authority in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm to declare, thus says the Lord, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing that I want to take, and, and not the last thing, there's two other things I want to focus on. One, and we're not going to list them, but I want you to go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 specifically and Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is specifically. There are gifts that the Holy Spirit will give to each believer as the Holy Spirit sees fit. Some will get prophecy, some will get teaching, some will get helping, some will get serving. These will be used of God to further the kingdom of God. And you will find that you never learned this, you were never taught this. All of a sudden you just have this ability and you know it's from God and you use it for his glory. That's number one. Like I told you, mine is spiritual discernment and leadership. Those are my two spiritual gifts. And I don't, I don't seek being a leader. I have people who fall in behind me all the time. And it's just a natural thing. In any informal group, I end up being the one that's the leader. Why? Because I have a spiritual gift of leadership. Duh. Stop fighting against it, Bob, and just walk in it and be the way that God wants you to be. 
But the other thing that I want you to understand, and this is the one that I want all of you to understand, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, give us a listing of seven spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Did I get them all? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, self-control. Seven. Every Christian who has the Holy Spirit has those gifts, those fruit available to them. Because as you walk as a Christian, the Holy Spirit should be manifesting in your life. Therefore, you should see these fruit coming forth. I wear this button here that says, I plan to live a life of love because we're told the greatest is love. But love is only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if I see a human being walking down the road who has harmed me, my natural response is to harm them. If someone is unkind to me and hurts me or hurts one of my own, I want to hurt them and make them hurt just as bad. That's just a natural, normal response. It is not normal for us to say, you hurt me, so I love you. You've taken from me, so I love you. You've harmed my child, so I love you. You've mistreated, so I love you. You've robbed me, so I love you. That's not natural. That's Holy Spirit empowered. And when you find yourself in a situation where you don't want to love, because they have done stuff that deserves your wrath, as Evelyn shared, you need to invite the Holy Spirit to take the control. Jesus, take the wheel, because I'm not going down the right path at this moment. I need you to take over. And I need you to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. In any of those situations, when I am tempted to do otherwise, and I, I am truly a Christian, I'm going to manifest Christ-likeness, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. It is not... Blah, 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 speaking in tongues. It is not speaking forth prophecy. It is not helping. It is, that is gifts that God uses to further his kingdom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control are the way you should be manifesting the fact that the Holy Spirit is present in your, present in your life. And when you face situations where you're tempted to not manifest that, you need to say, empower me, Father. Through your Holy Spirit, I yield myself to your Holy Spirit, and I ask that you would let that part of you come out in me, because right now, in my natural state, it doesn't want to. And the end result of that is you will have fruit. The end result of that yieldedness to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through you as a conduit will then bring about people asking, how in the world could you possibly respond like that in that kind of a situation? And that's when you get to speak truth to them and you can prophesy so that they can then enter into a vital relationship with Jesus for themselves and, afford, and, and take advantage of the fact that the Holy Spirit will be present with them and the cycle can continue. So Pentecost, the day that we celebrate today, is not, I got the power! Holy Spirit's manifesting in me and it's taking my power away. It's, do I truly show love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control? Yes. 
Is Christ being manifest in my life in such a way that people are drawn? May the, the Lord Jesus himself in his Sermon on the Mount said, May the people around you see your good works and so glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the goal of our life. To be Christ-like. To manifest the presence of God. To draw others to the truth. To speak the truth so that the Holy Spirit can draw them so that they can yield themselves and start the cycle for themselves. And if you're not, you might as well go to heaven right now because you're wasting everybody's time. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you, God, that you have given us the Holy Spirit to be with us, to lead us into all truth, to empower us for service. And we pray, God, that as we walk out of here today, that we will step into a renewal of that contract with you, that covenant with you. And we pray, Father, that if there's anybody here who does not have that already because they've never made a commitment to you through Jesus' blood, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would woo them and draw them and that they would seek you because they will find you as long as they seek you with all of their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you. Go in his peace.